You are listening to the Well Balanced Podcast. I am your host and coach, Jillian Botel, and my mission is to revolutionize how women approach health. In this podcast, you will learn to find connection with yourself and your body once again. It is time to start feeling your best, achieve the goals you set, and start playing big. Gain the confidence, power, and knowledge you need to take control of your health and rediscover your worth. Welcome to the Well Balanced Podcast. Welcome to episode 29. I'm so excited to have you guys joining me on this special episode because this is the first time that I sat down and interviewed two people at a time. So Jody and Carrie of The Nest Project are joining me and this was such an inspiring conversation. Talking to two women who were already leading very fulfilling careers but saw a need and decided to pursue an answer to that problem is such a beautiful thing to see and is truly inspiring. So the Nest Project is an organization that is founded in positive psychology and in prevention when it comes to our well-being. And what Jody and Carrie are doing and how they are helping adults navigate things like feeling disconnected, daily stresses, how to live with more gratitude, how to live with more joy and awe is so transformative. So in this interview, we chat about everything from what it felt like taking that risk, seeing that need and leaving these really stable careers that they had and why positive psychology, why they feel that positive psychology is the answer. So grab a coffee and enjoy this conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, Jody and Carrie. You guys are actually my first duo on the podcast, so I'm so excited to be sitting down and chatting with you ladies. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, Jill. This is great. So normally I start off with getting my guests to tell us a little bit about themselves and what got them to where they are today, and we are definitely going to get into that with you guys But your story and what brought you ladies to where you are now is so inspiring. And I think that there is so much that my listeners are going to be able to take away from that, that I really want to spend lots of time there. So you ladies are the founders of something called the Nest Project. Why don't you guys start off by telling us what the Nest Project is and what you ladies stand for? And then we'll just backstep slowly into what brought you to this work. So the Nest Project, we went on this little endeavor in August. Um, Jody and I both had been working in mental health for a really long time. I think um, for me, around 10 years, Jody not far behind. And we loved our positions in schools and we really loved the work that we were doing with with kids and students um, in mental health prevention and promotion. And to be honest, we just really um, had an inkling for the, the past few years to maybe just start working a little bit with adults and um, lots of the people that hold our kids. So caregivers, um, educators, um, just adults in general, really. And so I, I don't know if it was a kayak trip or what it was on the water where we were like, kind of what if? Mm-hmm. What if we could do this work? What if we could do similar work, but with just a different population of people? And we kind of went for it. And this beautiful little nest was created where we really um, stand by connection and just curiosity and compassion with with all of the people that were privileged to 
get to work with. And um, you know what? It's been amazing. It's been um, a really great journey so far. And I think we're both feeling we're on a, we're on a really cool path. Jody, would you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. About the path statement. Uh, I, I'm, unlike you, I think I know, I think I know the day that was the day for me when it was like, this is going to happen. Um, and last year, our last year, when we were working in schools, um, Carrie was slated to speak at teachers convention last February about a topic that I was super passionate about. <laughs> and I begged our ex boss, uh, to be able to go with her. And um, she finally agreed to let us both go. And we got to spend uh, an, oh, almost an hour and a half with a large group of teachers in this beautiful room in the convention center in Edmonton, overlooking the River Valley, talking about ways that we can impact um, children and youth's happiness and well-being and joy and connection. And for me, it was the drive home uh, where I, I was like, Okay, I'm going to do more of this somehow, some way. This is happening, and wouldn't it be fabulous if it could be with Carrie? <laughs> so it was a big hour and a half for me. Um, and and then over the summer, we had a, a corporation reach out to us and ask us to come in and and talk about mindfulness with thirty uh, some adults who had been isolating and hadn't seen each other for a few months. Wow. Um, you know, they had gone home um, from the office to work and. Uh, and I think it was that drive home, Carrie, hey, where it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, the, the floodgates have opened, look out, it's it's happening. Oh, I forgot about that. It was like <laughs> one of those moments, Jill, that it was like, pinch me, did that just happen? Totally. And, we, and it was, it was um, accountants and they were like leaning in. They were just like, tell us more, tell us more. And it was like plus 32 or something, we were sweating. And <laughs> on the drive home, I was like, this that was good and it was we good we were delivering it in a shop yeah one shop because it had to be big enough <laughs> yeah it wasn't right. the, it wasn't the river valley it was not no. <laughs> we're looking at the river valley but like what made it so good is it would have been so different if it was just me um mm-hmm. but the two of us together yeah. has always worked really well um and I think in the last six months since we've started this we recognized how different we are but it's complementary mm. amazing yeah. So you get this idea and then tell me, did you guys just decide to just jump in with two feet? Did you sit down, do a pros con list? Did you guys, did the fear set in? Did the like, what the hell are we thinking? <laughs> tell me what, what, what did the next step look like for you oh, guys? Jill, were you there? That's weird. Cause you pretty <laughs> much, um, you know, hit it on the head there. Um, Okay, so I sort of just want to jump jump into what Carrie was saying about leaving a, a job that we left. Yeah. So um, for myself, uh, I love the job. I love the people. I love the rewarding nature of it, sort of the validation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm a human being. It's nice to nice to see that the kids and the the um, youth were were getting what I was saying and utilizing it. It felt great. I love the financial security. The issue was alignment. The issue was I wanted being the sort of research geek that I am, I wanted more time to be able to really dig into uh, the current best practices and, and current research 
And uh, I wanted to be able to bring that to adults, right? And so it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those things where, yeah, there was a ton of risk. Uh, and my husband, you know, we had to have a lot of long talks. There were lists involved. There were kayaking sessions. Uh, there was journaling. I blogged all summer um, to try to wrestle with if this was the right decision. And, and the timing, the timing. We yeah, were in no the middle kidding. of a pandemic, right? So there was a lot of things that, that came into play. But at the end of the day, it was time to move. And I just felt it in every fiber of my being. Uh, and it was time. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you said out of alignment. And I think that a lot of adults can slowly slip into living a life that is out of alignment. And it's it happens slowly, but quickly all at the same time. So what, what did out of alignment feel like for you? Or how did you kind of know that something just maybe was missing a little aspect of that? Well, let me, Carrie, I know you want to talk to this too, but let me just preface this by saying, I completely get that I was so fortunate to be in a situation Mm -hmm. that I could dramatically pivot and shift. Mm -hmm. And I get that not everybody, you know, is in that, is in that position. And sometimes it takes a little longer to put all the things in place. So I know we're kind of being flippant about like, Hey, just dove in and but the truth is that isn't always a possibility for, for everyone. And I just want to acknowledge that. But it was, I don't know, it was just, you know, when you, when you start to go to work and most of your day is still great. And again, I hear, I hear those words coming out of my mouth and I realize again how lucky I was to be having that experience. But I just felt like the direction of the work needed to shift. And in that role, I couldn't do it. Right. I couldn't make the shift that I really wanted to make. Uh, and that I just felt the, the, the world was needing. And not just because it was a pandemic. Right. I felt, you know, this all started long before March of last year for us. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was for me. It was just, and I'm not a kid anymore. You know, you get to a certain age. I don't know how old your listeners are, but you get to a certain age. And, and sometimes if you're lucky enough, you go, this just isn't what I need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And um, for some people that happens at 30. Uh, for me, it happened at 52. so the whole like concept of alignment is always something that I've tried to kind of live by and I knew for me again still in a position that like I was showing up at my schools crazy about what we were doing and and um just on purpose in that sense of like I knew it was making a difference with the kids um but I wanted to get like at, at at their parents like I wanted to talk to their parents about it as well And then it was just a kind of like a few months of just feeling like, you know what, you're not practicing what you're preaching. You're talking about like all of these great practices, Um, but having three small kids and other commitments and deciding to go back to school, I knew something had to change. Um, And Jody made the decision first, probably about like, you know, I think I'm going to go off in this direction. And it was almost that tug too of, I didn't want to be left behind because I wanted to work with her still. I, she, like she said, she's a research geek and, and I love that, that element. I'm, I'm all about the research as well. Um, but I knew she was going to go, go after adults and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and to be honest, it took a really, really long time to 
kind of be settled with that decision. Cause I missed, missed the kid population and I'm still really lucky. I get to see them quite a bit and that sort of thing, but I don't think I'm, I'm finished with the work with, with children, but I know where we're at right now. Um, I do, I feel completely aligned, which is like an internal feeling. I think yeah, you guys, yeah. right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing because I mean, working with adults. So if you are in working with parents and these parents are putting into practice what you guys are teaching, I mean, the impact on the children can almost be even greater than just working with the children alone, because we all know like children just mirror what they see. You know, if we want our children to be compassionate, kind, caring, thoughtful people, we really need to be that example for them. Yeah. Our, one of the first groups we work with, worked with actually um, was primarily, I would say, caregivers. And it was so amazing to see the link that they made, like that their kiddos were talking about some of the practices, whether it be mindfulness oh. or, um, you know, joy. They'd heard the language. They'd heard lots of the concept. They'd heard about deep breathing. But to actually, like, think about it for themselves... Right. And right. not, not from like, okay, this is really good for my, my child, but for themselves, mm. it was again, just one of those moments where it was like, yep, this was a hundred percent, um, the right direction and a gap that I think is being filled really intentionally. I think that's so amazing. I think it's, it is such a big hurdle because speaking as a mother, you innately want better for your kids. You know, like we just do and we want our kids to have, you know, what we don't have. But I think, like you're saying, when it clicks that you giving to yourself in this way is actually so beneficial for your children, then it's like a win-win situation. And and the mental health capacity building um, project that we were working with had been around for I don't, 10, 10 years, Carrie, I think when we yeah, left. Yeah. So we were, you know, graduating students out of some of our schools that had been practicing and learning this material for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so it was really interesting to watch. Uh, and then, and then we started talking to, to their parents and to, and to, you know, people of that age in the community. And it was just like, this is just a, a, a shame that, that this information a wasn't available when they were in school and, and that they're, they're um, parenting their children who are getting all these skills and, and practices and benefiting from them. And they're not. So it just, it just seemed like the right population at the right time. Um, honestly, like I said, we could have probably jumped in two years earlier. Mm-hmm. This isn't entirely pandemic related, but given the fact that we're in one, it, it actually, it's been, it's been good timing. Yeah. I think it almost just amplified any Mm -hmm. underlying issues that, you know, we might've had prior to the pandemic. It really just shone a light on those areas. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest hurdle? I mean, there's probably more than one, but that you face with adults with maybe the stigma around self-help, mental illness, the type of work you guys are doing, what What's the difference, you know, with adults versus children? I know for me, like, I always feel like with kids, like I I knew 
that I, when I was doing a good job, I was like positive. They liked me. They, they told me, they showed me, they, you know, talked about it. They really verbalized it all. Whereas adults are different, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little trickier to know what's landing and what's not landing like in the moment, but then it's just like, you see this little like light bulb moment maybe, or they give you like a reflection that they've had. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I think, I think this landed with them. So for me, it's really like, you know, the validation that um, the material is relevant to them. And I think it's relevant to all of us, Yes. but, um, and getting to the people that, that I think really could benefit from, from what the next project offers. Um, that's really crucial and important to me. What about you, Jody? Oh, well, the, the number one thing that jumped into my head, Jill, is, well, they're not a captive audience. Mm. I mean, kids were a captive audience in a classroom, right? Their teacher said, and Jody's coming in, and we're right. going to be learning about this, and there they were. Right. Adults apparently don't like to operate that way so much. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> so there's that. Yes. And then the second part of that is um, actually financial, mm. too. Uh, so, you know, this was all offered to children in schools for free. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, Carrie and I have, have really, I mean, this is a business that we are operating. Mm -hmm. However, we've had to get, um, up to speed quite quickly, uh, about how to go after Mm -hmm. some funding that can make sure that, uh, we're also offering programming to adults in the community who aren't necessarily attached to a business or a school where we're providing training, who then they can access this, at no or very little um, expense, right? Because these are, you know, money's money's tight, um, as well as time. But but money is very often a barrier for many people mm-hmm. to access any kind of mental health supports. And so yeah. we just really feel strongly that that this prevention based material that we're offering needs to be offered um, so that that is is not a barrier. Right. Uh, and, and you're, you mentioned stigma. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's some stigma still attached. You know, um, we probably speak to more women than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's probably a variety of reasons for that. And we hope to speak to more men in the future. Um, but, but honestly, the first, the first thing that, that jumped into my mind is um, opportunity and, and keeping those financial barriers out of play. What about the factor of like, I'm too old to learn something new or that just isn't going to work for me. Like I can't gratitude my way to a better life or it's not that simple. Like, how do you approach that? Because I mean, we can get stubborn with age and we kind of make up our mind about something. And have you seen that that is like a, you know, a hurdle for you guys to cross as well. Okay. So I just want to say something quickly, but then Carrie, I really want you to talk about your work with (laughs) some senior seniors. Yeah. Um, So Yes, we've had that. We've had a participant actually say in quite a large group, I've tried this self-compassion stuff before. Uh, it, you know, we've had that for sure. But I think one of the most effective ways to um, deliver this information is to really start by empowering people with really pointing out what they're already doing. Mm. You know, there's very few people that are going to come to a session on gratitude that aren't going to see two or three things that they're already doing 
that they didn't even re maybe realize were part of that practice and recognizing, you know, that does actually feel pretty good. Right. You know, so rather than, you know, this is all brand new uh, and we're going to just educate you all today. It's very much a process of getting people to look at, you know, what are you already doing? You're, you're, you're here, you're with us, you're functioning on some level. You're probably doing some things right. Let's acknowledge that and let's start from there. Um, and we also like to just, um, well, I know I really do and Carrie does too, inject a little of the science. Because for some people, it's a matter of, I don't really, I, I need to know physiologically how this is going to work for me. And then maybe I'll, I'll give that a go. So we'd like to include that too. So um, yes, there can be some resistance, but generally speaking, if you let people have a look at what they're already doing right, start from a place of strength and go from there and don't make the practices too either time consuming or, you know, way out there for them, you know, just kind of keep it pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty manageable. Buy-in's pretty good. Mm. But I'm glad you brought that up because it really is important to start from that, that place of acknowledging people's strengths. I love that. I think too, we always really emphasize that anything we talk about or anything we educate about is, is a practice. So, you know, by attending a session, you're not like, automatically going to be mindful or, um, you know, so that has been really helpful because the way our classes are designed is that you're with us like more than once. Typically it's usually ran in a series. So I find that within, if it's four weeks, they notice, they notice some subtle differences or, um, I think back to a conversation we had with a group about awe and just again, stopping and noticing things and that conversation led to like a million different things that might be mundane in our day that people just started to acknowledge and it shifted the lens a little bit, which was really cool to see. And I think through like conversation and that sense of community that we, we try to create um, again, like Jody said, they notice little things that they're already doing, which is so empowering. And then just little tiny things that you can kind of add in. Jody was saying that about when I talked to a group of seniors and it was so um, humbling almost because here I was talking to them about, yeah, gratitude and mindfulness and slowing down and, you know, really taking notice of our surroundings and all of these different things. And this one man said to me, and he was 98 and you could tell he was like really thinking like the wheels were turning and we were talking about gratitude. And he was like, I think he called me honey or sweetie. He's like, sweetie. He's like, in my day, we called that manners <laughs> and, and was just like, it's so, it's so, um, basically he said crazy that we, now we teach about gratitude and we talk about it when in his day, it was just inherent and ingrained and so it led to such a beautiful conversation around, you know, how sometimes we do in Western society, we, we're, we're really focused on that, that doing and, and what's next. And, um, but he, he was wonderful because he was like, he saw the need that we did have to start having these simple conversations more. Right. Yeah. And gratitude's not something you just have to go out and by it's something you consider and you think about and you have conversations about so um oh that that moment for me was like just 
I couldn't believe that I was talking to a group of seniors about gratitude and, and like, why was I talking to them? They should have been talking to me really. So why positive psychology? So I, I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. You guys have mentioned a little bit of the practices that um, you guys cover with the nest project, but for those who don't know, it is pretty much founded in positive psychology. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the truth uh, for me. I, um, I finished my university degree in the eighties, like a hundred years ago. And so, um, you know, positive psychology wasn't even a thing. We did. I mean, we didn't, I mean, the, the grassroots were there, but we hadn't really even claimed the term yet. I think it was Martin Seligman in the nineties at some point that really put this all together. And so I spent my years at university spending a lot of time learning about what's wrong with people, mm. you know, the, the defects, the uh, what's, you know, um, abnormal psychology, uh, this kind of stuff, this kind of language. So I left there going, well, the focus is all about what's, what's just not right with us. Totally. And somewhere along the line, um, thank goodness, um, Martin Seligman came along and went, you, you know what? how about we start talking more about what's right with us? Mm. Right. And so um, then I took sort of a, a, an extended break from the field for a while uh, of psychology in general. And then when I came back to work for mental health capacity building, I was introduced to this whole new world. And it was just like, ah, like seriously, you know, why were we not talking about this earlier? So so there was this shift to all of a sudden we had access to technology that could attach some really hard science to these wonderful concepts of, of what is going right. Um, why are we typically inherently pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, and we could sort of marry those two. And it was for me, it was just like the research science stuff that we've already established. I loved along with this idea that we could really start exploring and working with and making a difference in all of these positive traits. You know, why, why are we, why are we happy? What, you know, why does joy pop into our lives as often as it does? What kind of difference can self-compassion make to the way that I view the world and live my life? What, like, I don't know, for me, it was just, why would we not, want to look there, especially from a place of prevention, which is where Carrie and I are operating from. Mm -hmm. That is one thing. We really know where we're operating from and where we're not operating in. Mm -hmm. Um, We're really specific about that. So for me, it just opened up this really, this love affair uh, with this new way of looking at, at ourselves, our minds, our brains, our nervous systems, us, our, our spirits, all of it. So that's, that was for me. Carrie, Carrie's a little younger than I am. Maybe that was not her experience. You know what? It was, it was my, like my undergrad, it it was very much like personality disorders, abnormal psych, all of those different things. And now, you know, being back as a student, it's like, things are so different in a really good way. Mm. Um, Cause I do, I think we're talking about like what's right more and I think as humans, we're really good at knowing what's not going well. You know, that negative negativity bias creeps in where we notice like what's wrong and again, the negative, but when we can kind of start from a place of like 
the things that we're already doing well, or, you know, what is going right, or, you know, the positives in our day, that is so much more um, empowering for people. And, you know, from a place that can really grow, I feel Um, if there's like one thing that can fester, right, that can grow into more. And again, as Jody said, it's really both of us have psychology backgrounds and it's really um, something that we're crazy about and we want to learn more of. And we want to share that with other people because it feels really good. Sometimes I, I think we both catch ourselves in the research being like, this is our job <laughs> is to, you know, learn about like primarily what makes us happy yeah. and, um, I think that's one of like the downfalls too, is because you go down that rabbit hole and it's like, there's so much to learn and it's great. Positive psychology for me, again, when we talk about being on purpose and aligned feels, feels right. Yeah. It's so nice that the science is catching up now because it's amazing understanding how we work as human beings, how our brain works so that we can kind of just do these you know, relatively simple, not necessarily easy Mm -hmm. things that can really make a big impact. Like just simply, you know, that shifting what you focus on, because we know what we focus on is what our brain wants to prove to be true. It's what our brain looks for evidence for. So I love that you're like, look to what you are already doing good. You know, don't even worry about how far you have to go or what you have to overcome. Just simply focus on what you're doing and, just by doing that, it will grow. Yeah. And I think too, like for a lot of people, whether they're coming through work, um, whether they've signed up voluntarily or maybe a little less voluntarily, um, this, this could very well be one of the first conversations they're having mm-hmm. um, surrounding mental health and well-being. And so imagine that your first conversation is going to be talking about about you know what's inherently right with us Mm -hmm. and um all these areas and windows of opportunity to to make a difference and and look don't you know I don't want to avoid the fact sometimes in our sessions we say if you're really struggling in this area if you have noticed that this is really difficult or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're Mm -hmm. noticing a lot of really you know difficult uh thoughts creeping in that this might not be where you need to be right now. And right. so we find ourselves, um, sh- you know, helping to sort of shift or guide people to more specific care that they may need that we're not able uh, to provide and don't provide. Um, but, but that's now coming from a place of, you know, it's just a different place, right? right? Yeah. Then I filled out this form and it sounds like I'm depressed. I should go, you know, like, and then I'm I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying that the initial conversation is not quite so intimidating, not quite so clinical. And almost shameful. Mm. Like, I think um, even though mental health and positive psychology is really, you know, taking up more and more space, I think that there is still so much shame around, you know, if we aren't happy all the time, if we don't feel like we, you know, and I think understanding too, and this maybe speaks to the science, but it's, you know, sometimes it's that there is, um, you know, there is a, a psychological 
aspect to these things that might require more help. And there just isn't any shame in that. Nobody would feel shame over being diabetic or, you know, having any other disease. So I think just really helping remove the shame around that too, and changing how that conversation goes is huge. Yeah. As you, as you were saying that, I really thought about something because in positive psychology, we talk a lot about, we're not always happy. Mm -hmm. We're not always joyful. We are not always um, feeling really good. So we need to experience a range of emotions. We need to feel um, sad sometimes or frustrated or angry, Um, but what are we going to do about it, right? right? How can we complete the stress cycle? How can we respond to our emotions? Because as humans, we're going to experience all of them. Um, And I think that that's really impactful too, is that we're not always experiencing positive emotions. I like that complete the stress cycle. It's what usually happens. (laughs) we are really in modern society we're really we have lives designed to really not help us with that at all right right you're supposed to um move you're supposed to run you're supposed to be welcomed back into your family there's supposed to be hugs and you're supposed to tell the story and there's supposed to be comfort and all of these things are supposed to happen to us back in the day you know Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago when we had horribly frightening, difficult things um, coming at us regularly that caused a stress response. And today, you know, that jerk down in accounting has really ticked you off at work and you're going to sit at your computer all day long and not move and not have an opportunity for, you know, a big long hug right then and there from someone you love. And, and, you know, maybe you're even more isolated than normal right now. You're not going to have a chance to take, you know, belly laugh with your friends and, and we just sit with it and then we go home and we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. So what don't we do? Exercise, move, right? We sit down and we Netflix and and maybe we read a little and then we go to bed Mm -hmm. and there's no way for that stress cycle to complete itself. So there's lots of confusion about that idea that, well, I got away from the stressor, so I should be fine now. Mm -hmm you know, we're just learning more and more about that's just actually not how it works. There's some key things that we can do to really help complete that stress cycle. Mm. It's just, we're not really living in a world that's super well set up for it. So yeah, we talk a little bit about that word. And I think Carrie, Hey, we're going to be talking more and more, but what we're not doing is offering three hour sessions on stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) Like we who, who wants to go to that? Yeah, I don't. Kidding. I don't even want to teach it. Never mind, go to it. Yeah, no kidding. We've had a few people call us up and suggest that they they think that that's what they need. Mm. And and actually, as we dive into that conversation a little bit more, it's funny. Hey, Carrie, but people kind of naturally sort of make this shift to, well, yeah, there's some components about that that we need to talk about. But really, yeah, we really could be talking about. Um, physical activity, but also connection and, mm-hmm. and you know what, mindfulness. Yeah. I can see how that could be a part of. Yeah. I think that the days of most people wanting a, a three hour sit down about stress is, well, we're just not seeing it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know, what's amazing too, is that when we 
understand that we have so much power. We don't need Mm -hmm. the dickhead in accounting to come and necessarily apologize. I mean, would it be nice? Sure. But what if it never happens? You know, so I think understanding that like every single person has the power to feel the things that they want to feel within them is also so empowering. Yeah. Or sometimes maybe you're just going to need to cry and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Exactly. Go for a run on your lunch hour or do yoga or what is it for you that works that, you know, you feel better after you do it. And we talk a lot about that. What works for me might not work for you, Jill, or might not work for Jody. Um, so again, just playing, we do tons of activities in our sessions to kind of, um, you know, figure it out what, what feels good. And I think people walk away with lots of different tools. Some might work, some some do, some don't, right? Especially also, with movement. Yes. I also really just love what you said too about um, just really understanding and knowing like we aren't meant to feel happy all the time because I think, you know, oftentimes you go down this maybe like self-help, self-mastery world and you think like, I'm just going to be this grateful, happy <laughs> joyous person all the time. But the truth is that we are really dynamic human beings. Our lives are dynamic and we are meant to feel a range of emotions. And I just really love how you said, you know, just validating that it's okay not to be happy. Yeah. So the term that we use is emo diversity Mm. and it is absolutely critical to mental, uh, positive mental health right? To, to doing okay, to be, to being resilient, to be able to move through emotions um, from, from what we would characterize as maybe we hate the positive negative uh, terminology, but, but comfortable and uncomfortable, maybe that's a better way to, to name them. Um, But I think also there's a place to learn how to sit with discomfort, Mm. right? So, so a lot of the practices that we talk about are not really, um, Sometimes they, they get sidetracked when we're, when we try to use them to really strive for a result. Right. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this right now because I don't want to feel like this anymore. Mm. And the truth is sometimes what we use the practices for is just to be able to sit with the stuff that's hard. Yeah. Cause we have to, right. Things I actually happen think that, that are hard. Yeah. It would be so impactful because I think in, um, an attempt to move back to happiness so quickly, we don't really sit with what, what is. Yeah. And, and mindfulness, you know, the way mindfulness has been presented a a lot of times to the mainstream community is this 100% guaranteed relaxation tool. Mm. Hey, Carrie, don't we love that? It's, and it's (laughs) not. It's just, it's not some of the, the breathing techniques and the things that we, that we utilize absolutely mm-hmm. can help to induce a state of relaxation for many people much of the time. But sometimes when, when you sit to notice, right, which is really what mindfulness is, right. being aware in the present moment of, of what's going on within you and around you, what we notice isn't always you know, Disneyland and rainbows and unicorns, right? Sometimes it's difficult stuff. And so how are you going to meet that when you, when you notice it? And uh, I always joke in our sessions that it was the last part of the definition of mindfulness that eluded me for three years, which was this idea that we were going to meet what we notice with this compassion and curiosity and this sense of kindness. And, and, you know, we were going to kind of have a, have a look at what we notice, 
where I was meeting it with, you're not doing it right. Or how can I use this with kids in school? Right. Right. I wasn't really, I missed that last part of the definition. And so, so yeah, a lot of these practices can be really helpful um, with the having to sit with the tough stuff for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then also sort of navigating that shift out. Right. I'd love to know what your, what each of your favorite maybe daily practices are to help you really live what you are teaching? Oh man, for me right now, like I am crazy about um, movement, like the, the correlation of mind body. Yes. And I've always been really, um, it's always been important to me to move my body and, but it was always very outcome based. Right. And mm-hmm my activity was always running and it was like how far and like, I really felt like I had to get a sweat on to like feel validation that I did something. And I always use this example when we talk about self-compassion and our inner narrative, because my inner narrative for running is like the worst human being ever. (laughs) Um, So for me, it was through some training that I recently took some yoga for mental health training And I realized what I was needing was like really slow, intentional movement. Mm -hmm. So for me, that has been a practice that has served me so well in, in the last probably again, like six to eight months is lots of yoga and lots of like interoception of how I'm feeling in my body at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's not always good and, and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, I definitely, I still love to run and do spin and lots of other things, but that's the practice I think for me, that's like game changer right now is, is slowing down a little bit. Yeah. Love that. And I would say over the course of the last year, um, a gratitude, Mm. it is no, um, it is no mistake, no coincidence that when we were still working in schools and all the kids were sent home in March, that we dove in hard. Hey, Carrie, dove in hard with gratitude during challenging times. And so my practice has changed and looked quite different in in terms of gratitude. Um, It's been more regular. Mm -hmm. It's been more um, organic, I guess. It's, it's been uh, some formal practices, but just many, many moments throughout the day of, of stopping, sort of taking stock, being mindful of what's happening, and really leaning in with a sense of gratitude uh, for things that I maybe would, I was, I was running, I was running uh, before, and this time to kind of slow down a little bit, although there's lots of things that I miss that I would love to be grateful for doing right now. <laughs> The slowing down has really afforded some very interesting opportunities to be reflective and to really think about gratitude and the tiniest, littlest, you know, strangest things um, that, that again, I was just, I was running too fast to notice before. So my practice of gratitude and with that really tough to talk about a practice of gratitude without a practice of mindfulness. Mm, Right. Um, Yeah. And, and actually both of those, a lot of time outside with both of those things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. 
So one last question for each of you before we hop off here, even though I feel like this conversation <laughs> could keep going. What is one thing, maybe, and maybe you just answered this, but I will ask you, what is one thing both of you feel is a necessity to living a well-balanced life for yourself? Ooh, one thing, one thing. Oh, I would say like, there's, there's many things, but the, what pops into my head really quickly is like authentic connection. Mm. So, um, just really connecting with people who, um, you know, I adore and who I have in my life that, um, I think now, again, when we've, we've been disconnected, um, I really know the people that I'm missing that connection with Mm. big or small. So I've definitely felt like I've had to get creative in that. And, um, it's essential. It's essential to my well-being. Um, is feeling connected to others, and um, yeah, I think that that's the first one that pops into my head. I love that. Okay, so this isn't very fun, but I'm going to echo what Carrie's saying yeah. only because, really, like when she says authentic, right? We, I think we all know what we're talking about here. Totally. The, the people who you can really will lay it on the line with, right? Mm-hmm. Who you can really be your most vulnerable self with and who have proven themselves worthy to be that person for you mm-hmm. and vice versa. And I think that so many of the other things are allowed to flourish. So, so the other list of things that I'd love to talk about for another hour can be so connected to yeah. what Carrie just said. You know, you when you think about a social interaction with someone who you love and care about and just really feel connected to, you're being mindful. You're often being grateful. There's often lots of opportunities to move. There's nothing like a good, long, hard walk while you're, you know, solving the world's problems together, right? There's so many of those other things that we, that we can so naturally connect to authentic connection um, that it just provides such a wonderful opportunity for all of those things. And, and absolutely, this is not about uh, quantity. Mm-hmm. This is about quality. So whether this is one connection or whether it's, it's 15, you know, um, it doesn't matter. It's about having at least that one and, uh, and getting all that good stuff wrapped up into that whole relationship. And and you know what, the best relationships I find with my closest girlfriend, uh, for example, we wouldn't even know that we were doing all those. It's just flows. It's all those things just happen when we're together or strangely, even via FaceTime these days, you know? So yeah. Sorry, Jill. Don't have a different answer. No, no. I think it just speaks (laughs) to how important it truly is and how impactful. Thank you ladies so much for coming on and having this conversation. Honestly, I think the work you are doing is life-changing. You know, you will certainly impact generations and generations to come and the stigma will change. And I think it's just amazing and so inspiring to see. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having us. It's honestly been our pleasure and we, we like appreciate and value the work that you're doing in the wellness area as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Well-Balanced Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you took a screenshot, tagged me, and then shared it on your Instagram stories. Also, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcast, 
I would truly appreciate if you left me a rating and review. Just let me know what your thoughts are and if there's anything you want to hear more of on the Well Balanced Podcast.